If you would please turn with me now in your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And I'm going to be reading verses 25 through 30. And um, I'm not going to preach all those verses. Hear the word of God. Jesus said to them, excuse me, then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning, I have many things to say to you and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, literally that I am, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Amen. This is one of the greatest questions that we must get the right answer to. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? The Pharisees and the crowds that were hearing Jesus preach and teach now for a few years were still wondering, who are you? In everyday life, we have to make decisions that reveal who we believe Jesus is. The way that you talk, the way that you think, the way that you act reveals the answer to that question. The church in America is really dealing with a major crisis as they answer this question, who is Jesus Christ? As they deal with issues of sexuality, transgenderism, political or governmental overreach, who is Jesus Christ? And this is a question that we can't get wrong. We've got to have the right answer to this question. Failing here will cost us eternally. We will, as Jesus said earlier in this chapter, we will die in our sin if we get it wrong. Unless you believe that I am He, that I am, that I am God, you will die in your sins. So, After Jesus declares this truth to the Jews, they ask this question. But you see, their question is not one of honesty. They're not asking honestly. They're not, who are you? Uh, A translation of this that crosses into interpretation, of course, would be, who do you think you are? What is going on in your deranged mind that you dare to say to us, the religious leaders, you know, I'm, you know, we we've been respectable men of this town for decades. 
before you were born. Who are you to say to us that if we do not believe that you are who you say you are, that we will die in our sins? And this is how the world really responds to Christianity. We are, um, we are considered to be a laughingstock and buffoons to the world because of the way that we choose to live and govern our lives. I've heard it on many occasions. Why would you leave Florida to move here? Why would you? I think about it sometimes too. <laughs> but the world counts us as fools for the way that we choose to live. We are, we're foolish, right? But Paul says that we're fools for Christ's sake. And the real fool is the person who asks this question mockingly and refuses to humble himself or herself to Christ. Because, Because Christ's answer to them is his answer to everyone, just as I have been saying to you from the beginning. My story has not changed. The words that I spoke to you in the Old Testament from heaven testify to who I am. And the words, of course, more narrow a context, the words that he has been speaking from the beginning of his ministry, what he has been saying, that is who I am. And they knew it. They knew who Jesus was. Uh, take, a, take a look here with me at the Gospel of John, at some of the things that Jesus said to them. He's been saying this throughout all of his ministry. Look at chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 51. Chapter 1 and verse 51. Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, with absolute unfailing confidence, you can be sure that hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. There's two things here he's saying. The first is, I'm the Son of Man. And in the Old Testament, that was a, 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 a divine office and title. He's saying, I am divine. I have a relationship with God that is unlike any other because I am God myself. I am the only begotten Son of God. That's the first thing he says here, but he also says a second thing. And what he says is that I am the ladder to heaven. I'm the only way to get to heaven. Angels, you you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That draws us back to the Old Testament. We don't have time to go there. I have too many passages to show you. But I'm the ladder to heaven. I'm the way to heaven, is what Jesus says. Now, if somebody said that to you, what would you think? This guy is nuts. Right? If you're in, uh, let's pick Ellenville. Ellenville's a little shady. We'll go to Ellenville, and you're at, the, uh, you're, you're at the Stewart's over there, and some guy walks up to you while you're pumping gas or getting coffee, and he says, I'm the ladder to heaven. <laughs> what would you think? You'd, you know, you'd, 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 you'd
<laughs> you'd be afraid, right? You'd think there was something wrong with him. But this is what Jesus, Jesus was speaking like this from the beginning of his ministry. And this is not just occasional speech. Look at chap, uh, verse 16 of chapter 2. He's in the temple. He's cleansing the temple here. Remember, and now remember our text from uh, Malachi. I hope you never forget Malachi chapter 3. Because this is what it says he's going to do. He's going to cleanse the temple of God. Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Do you, um, this is an important point. Jesus never says to the disciples, our father. He never includes himself with them like that. He doesn't say to them, our father. Even when he says, you, you pray this way. You pray our father, because God is not our father the way he is his father. Very different relationship. So when Jesus enters the temple and says this, this is my father's house, he is saying, I'm the son of God. I'm divine. I'm the divine son from the very beginning of his ministry. Look at chapter 3. Now speaking to Nicodemus. So all of these contexts, to his disciples, in the temple, publicly and open, making a ruckus. Now to one of the teachers of the Jews. John chapter 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, we just read this too. When the Son of Man is lifted up, then you will know that I am he. In uh, chapter 8. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. A divine title again. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He is the source of eternal life. Not only is he's, he the ladder to heaven, but if you want eternal life, if you want a life that lasts after the grave, you've got to believe in Jesus. And you've got to believe who the Bible says Jesus is. Not what you would like him to be. I think it was Jefferson who made his own Bible, the Jefferson Bible. You could buy it now, and it basically has no miracles, nothing of substance. Jesus is just basically a moral teacher in Jefferson's Bible. Jesus cannot, I'm going to read a quote from C.S. Lewis later, and this is a little hint towards it, but Jesus cannot be a moral teacher, a good moral teacher, if he is not God, because of the things that he says like this. Again, if you were uh, at the shop right and a strange older woman walked up to you and said, I am the source of eternal life, what would you say to her? I would say to her, please put your mask back on. <laughs> we're social distance, please. You would think she was out of her mind. You would think she was out of her mind, and rightly so. Rightly so. No, uh, no sane person would talk like this. Look at, um, let, let's keep reading. He said, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. This is the love of God being shed abroad. And here, 
you could say, um, um, not, uh, not in salvation, but in salvation history. We could look at the world that way. We could look at world history and we could look at salvation history. And in salvation history, in the history of salvation, there was a particular point where God showed that he loved his people when he crucified his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He's the source of eternal life by means of his death. Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 10. Look at this one. This, this one here uh, is absolutely amazing. If you knew the gift of God, that's what he calls himself. He is God's gift to man. And who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He is the gift of God. Again, another statement that if some moral teacher, if Tony Robbins got on Facebook and did a live, he's a, he's a, he's a, uh, what's that, what? Uh, most motivational speaker, if you don't know who he is, or Zig Ziglar. More people know Zig Ziglar. If, most, if Zig Ziglar said something like, or Joe Lostein, or all these other motivational speakers, got on uh, Facebook and said, I am the gift of God, what would people do? You'd turn him off. You'd laugh. This guy's a buffoon. He's out of his mind. Just as I have been saying to you from the beginning. Jesus never changed his tune. Look at verse 25. And now here, remember all of these different settings. He, he is revealing these things to all kinds of people, to his disciples, to crowds, to religious teachers, to this woman who is a foreigner. They considered the Samaritans to be defiled. And look at what he says to her in verse 25. The woman says... Uh, uh, said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. I am the one who your people have been, have been looking for, although uh, with some tincture, with some heresy and some, some misunderstanding because you refuse to submit yourself rightly to uh, the scriptures. But I am him. I am the Messiah. Look at chapter 5, verse 17. And here for us, this one's a little bit harder to understand, but the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was saying. I think that in preaching John so far, this was the hardest section to preach. But the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was saying here. Look at John chapter 5, verse 17. He heals this man on the Sabbath. And the, the Pharisees, they are in an uproar because he heals this man. He gives him uh, the ability to walk again, this lame man. And they ask him, you know, what's going on here? Why are you healing people on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. That statement is a statement of equality with God. Jesus is saying, God has been working from the beginning, and I've been working with him this entire time. And the Jews understood it. Therefore, verse 18, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, 
but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. He says he's equal with God. I am God, Jesus says. And who is he saying this to? To the religious leaders. What I have been saying to you from the beginning. My tune has not changed. In chapter 6, verse 35, what does he say to them there? He says to them, I am the bread of life. Me. Your fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness, and to them that was bread of life because it sustained them physically in the wilderness. But you know what happened? They died in the wilderness. If you don't want to die, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. In other words, believe who I am. I am the source of spiritual life. I am the bread of life. Seventh here. In John 8, 12, what does he say? I'm the light of the world. In light of those passages that we're looking at this morning, declaring the coming of Christ, this is what he's saying. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. I am the Savior of the world. Men who live in absolute darkness and in sin can have the light of life if they look to me. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the light of the world just as I have been saying to you from the beginning. If you are sitting here today and you are not a Christian, this is who Jesus is. If you do not believe that this is who Jesus is, you will die in your sins. And you ask the question, well, how can I know? Well, think about um, our Lord's Supper on love. Do you Love the people of God. That one simple test. First John is, a, in essence, a test of true conversion. Test after test, question after question, statement after statement repeated. Do you love the people of God? If you do not love the people of God, and I don't mean, you know, um, I, don't, I don't mean that you have enough courage to say to people, yeah, I go there. But, you know, like, I don't like go, go there, but I, I'm there on Sundays. Do you love God's people? Do you, do, you, do you genuinely feel like it is a privilege and an honor to serve the people God has brought you together with? It ought to be. Because of the price he paid to save them. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And he has been saying to them from the beginning who he is. Now, look at verse 26. In verse 26, Jesus says to them something very interesting. And I want to find a different translation um, that I want to compare what he says there. It's very helpful. But he says here, he says to them, he says, it to, uh, he says to them, I have many things to say to you, to say and to judge concerning you. What does Jesus mean by that? I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. It's very interesting. Uh, 
the way that Jesus says this. When we read this, usually what we think is, he's not going to because of the but. But my father, oh, excuse me, but as my father, uh, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I looked down at verse 28. I have many things to say, to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. Oh, so he must not, you know, he's not going to say anything. That's not what this text means at all. What Jesus is communicating here is that he is going to judge them. He is going to judge them. This is not contrary to other things that Jesus has said to them so far in the gospel. Because his word is the means that God uses to judge them. The words that he speaks to them. Now listen to this. Another way of translating this that I think it's helpful is this way. I have many things to pronounce in judgment about you. That is what Jesus is getting at here. Basically what you're doing is grammar, right? There are two infinitives in this, in the Greek, right? In the, in the Greek text, there are two infinitives. And uh, you take those two infinitives as communicating one particular truth. To say and to judge. What, is, what does he mean by to say and to judge? Words of judgment. I have a pronouncement of judgment that I'm going to speak with regards to you. And this is what Jesus does with those who do not believe. He speaks words of judgment. The words that Jesus speaks, um, they, uh, in this particular chapter, they're very plain. Of course, in his conversation with Nicodemus, they were very clear also. He who does not believe in the Son is condemned already. You're already condemned. It's not that you're waiting for another point in history for condemnation to come. And what Jesus does is he lifts the veil off of their Jewish eyes and he helps them to see, no, you're dying in your, you are currently dying in your sins because you refuse to believe in me. And that is the place of every person who does not believe in Jesus. These are words of judgment. But what of the contrast? But... As my father, um, I keep jumping down to verse 28. But he who sent me is true. Well, what is the point of that? Here's the point of that. Read the next phrase, or clause. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. And Jesus has many things to judge concerning you, concerning these religious hypocrites. Why? Because they're not true. But my father is true. The contrast has to do with the people he is speaking words of judgment to and his father. Why? Because it's his father's words that he is speaking. The words of Christ are the words of God. It's not his own teaching. Remember, when the people gathered around him in John chapter 7, and they said, well, you, nobody ever spoke like this man. Where is he getting these words from? And this teaching and all of this elevated doctrine, where, where's all of this coming from? And Jesus says, my teaching is not my own, but his who sent me. These are the words of God. Again, no man ever spoke like this. And when people speak like this, we think to ourselves, he is a liar. 
he's a lunatic or he must be who he says he is. Listen to C.S. Lewis, a very helpful treatment in mere Christianity. He is addressing this issue, and he says this. One part of the claim that Jesus is making that he is the Son of God tends to slip past unnoticed because we have heard it so often that we no longer see what it amounts to. And some of you who have grown up in church, and maybe you're not Christians, and you hear this all the time, that Jesus is God, it doesn't hit you with the weight it ought to hit you with. It really should punch, if you're not a Christian, it should punch the air out of your stomach. Because you're refusing to submit your will to him. And everything that you have and everything that you are flows from him freely. I mean the claim to forgive sins, any sins. Now, unless the speaker is God, this is really so preposterous as to be comic. It's funny. We, we ought to laugh at people who talk this way. When, when, you know, when people speak of false religions, it should break our heart that they're trapped in that kind of darkness. But um, the prophets didn't bother mocking false religions because it's laughable. Those gods don't exist. They're figments of people's imaginations. They're fevered dreams. <clears throat> we can all understand how a man forgives offenses against himself. So if you sin against me, don't worry about it. I forgive you. You tread on my toes, and I forgive you. You steal my money, and I forgive you. But what should we make of a man himself unrobbed and untrodden on who announces that he forgave you for treading on another man's toes or stealing another man's money. Right. Let's say there's an issue with, uh, between you and your spouse and you call your pastor for some help. Hey, we're you know, trying to figure this out and we thought we'd give you a call for some assistance. Okay, I'll come over. And I show up to the house and I say to the wife, I forgive you. That's it. We're done here. <clears throat> uh, this is C.S. Lewis, so he's going to use some big words, fancy words. Asinine fatuity is the kindest description we should give to this conduct. Yet, this is what Jesus did. That is what Jesus did. Jesus says, I forgive you for your sins against everyone you've ever come in contact with. <clears throat> he told people that their sins were forgiven and never waited to consult all the other people whom, they sinned, whom their sins had undoubtedly injured. He unhesitatingly behaved as if he was the party chiefly concerned. The person chiefly offended in all offenses. This makes sense only if he really was the God whose laws are broken and whose love is wounded in every sin. In the mouth of any speaker who is not God, these words would imply what I can only regard as silliness and conceit unrivaled by any other character in history. Yet... And this is the strange, significant thing. 
Even his enemies, when they read the Gospels, do not usually get the impression of silliness and conceit. Nobody reads the Gospels and says, this guy's just conceited. He's big on himself. No, they walk away saying, more people, should, if Christians were like Jesus, I would be a Christian. That's what unbelievers say. Still less do unprejudiced readers. Christ says that he is humble and meek, and we believe him. Not noticing that, if he were merely a human, humility and meekness are the very last characteristic we could attribute to someone saying what he is saying. Is the last thing you would think. I am the ladder to heaven. You want eternal life? You must believe that I am he. If you do not believe this, you will die in your sins. If he's not God, he is not a humble man. I am trying to prevent anyone from saying the very foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I can't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing you must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg... Or else he would be the very devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he does not intend to. That is not what Jesus wants you to say. Jesus does not want you to leave here this morning saying to yourself, he has some good things to say in the Bible. He wants you to leave here this morning saying, I am willing, because of who he is, to throw away every aspiration that I have in my life for myself. And I want to freely submit my will to him. Because the words that he is speaking are the words of God. Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them. Of the Father. Jesus' words are God's words, and what God wanted Jesus to say to the world is, I am your Savior. You either believe Him or you don't. Those are the only two options that Jesus leaves for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this time in your word. We thank you for the clarity, Jesus, with which you spoke to us, and I ask that you would help us to believe that you are he. In your name we pray. Amen. Now please stand and sing the doxology with me.